this morning, I, I said it initially that I would not uh, have a lengthy series for the year. Uh, today's the fourth, uh, the fourth message in the series. I'm going to do one more. Uh, we'll do five, but today we're going to talk about temple maintenance. Temple maintenance. Paul writing to the Corinthians in chapter 6, verse 19 and 20, he writes, he said, or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Let's read that again. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, you are not your own? For you were bought at a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. May the Lord add his blessing to his word this morning. So, so next week I'll wrap up the series, but as we get started this morning, let, let me throw out a disclaimer, okay? I, I want to throw out a disclaimer. Now, I, I mentioned this in early service, that years ago when I surrendered my life back to the Lord I, and, and committed myself to being a minister, you know, I was in a barracks in San Antonio, Texas in the Air Force, and I said, God, if you still want me, here I am. You know, you've heard that story many times. One of the things I said to God was, I will go wherever you want me to go, and I will share, I will speak whatever you want me to speak. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to those who believe. So my disclaimer this morning is um, this message is a little bit different than other messages. And so I'm going to ask you to turn off sensitivities online as well and listen to the counsel of God's word. So my title is Temple Maintenance. How many can figure out what I'm going to preach about today? Anybody have an idea? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm going to talk about maintaining our physical bodies. You know, notice Paul, Paul said that our bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to talk about the well-being of our physical bodies. Uh, the truth is, God is interested in all of, us, uh, in all of me, okay? Not just the spiritual part of me. You know, there, there, there's a mindset today that says that God's only interested in my spirit, so I can do, I'm free to do anything I want to do with my body, with my time. Uh, you know, I, I run across people all the time that talk about their faith in the Lord, yet they never fellowship with the body of Christ. They never serve in the body of Christ. So, so there's this idea, and it's similar to what was going on in the Corinthian church. Uh, you know, a lot of people say, well, I wish we could go back in time and be like the early church. Well, maybe not. They've had, they had issues, okay? And, and so Paul's dealing with one of those issues. And you're probably not going to hear anything this morning that you've not already heard. I mean, you, we all know the spill, right? Um, eat a balanced diet, exercise, avoid high-fat foods, anything that tastes good, don't eat it, uh, get adequate sleep, reduce stress. How many's heard that before? I mean, yeah, I mean, we've heard it all of our lives. Um, you know, we've heard it for years and years and years, but here's the thing, there's a disconnect. I was doing some research this week, and I found that in 1901, the United States of America was classified as the healthiest nation on earth in the 100 nations studied. The healthiest nation on earth. By 1920, we had dropped to number two. By 1950, we were in third place. And today, we are somewhere, depending on what matrix you use, we are down in the lower 50 percentile of the healthiest nations on earth. Another statistic I came across was that right now, 60% of Americans are overweight and 43% are obese. America's children right now are the least physically fit 
most overfed and undernourished children on the planet. Now, again, I, I know some of you are like, I should have stayed home today. <laughs> this message is not like that. Let me, let me just get right into it. It's not, it's not like that. It's not about that. Uh, I, that, and that's kind of what's going on. So what happened? Why did we go from number one to the lower for, uh, 50 percentile of the healthiest nation on earth? Well, Dr. Don Colbert, uh, Colbert says two words. It's because of two words, fast food. Fast food. He said the typical American diet is high in processed food and what he calls convenience food that is mostly void of nutrition. I, I mentioned this in early service. We had a team a couple years ago. I took a team to to uh, Poland, and uh, so in, in Poland we were working with the Ukrainian refugees, and so we had a pretty tight schedule to get some things done. Every day at lunchtime we would break and go, and the missionary that was hosting us took us to McDonald's every day. I'm not a big McDonald's fan, and I was a little bit put off by that, and I, I told her one time, I said, look, I don't, I don't do this much fast food. I'm not, I'm not really keen on it, and she said to me, she said, well, Pastor, what you got to understand is that fast food here is different than fast food in America. She said, because here they don't allow you to put all of the preservatives and the additives in the food that you do in the, in the States. And so I thought, okay, whatever. So we ate there, I believe, every single day for lunch. By the end of the 10 days, not one person had any digestive issues. Not one person ever felt bloated. In fact, I'm convinced if you bought a hamburger there in Poland and you set it out, by the next day it would be rotten. Whereas today, if you buy one and you set it out, in a year it will still be the same. <laughs> Houston, we got a problem. He said fast food is a culprit in why we see so many uh, overweight individuals. Again, uh, I, I found this to be an interesting statistic. In 1970, Americans spent approximately $6 billion, B, $6 billion on fast food. In 2022, the last year of data, $192 billion. We spend more on fast food than we do computers, programming, new cars, games, and higher education combined. If a person consumed a typical American diet for 30 days, over 16 pounds of fat would pass through their body. And as a result of this diet, we are slowly dying of starvation. Now, I know that's counterintuitive to think about. We have so much food and yet people are dying of starvation. The type of starvation I'm talking about is what happens when our food is void of nutrients, which are essential for vital bodily function. Listen, there's something that we've got to do. There's a disconnect going on. He goes on, Dr. Colbert talks about many of the diseases. There's a direct correlation with many of the diseases that Americans contend with. From poor, the, the, the correlation is poor eating habits and exercise. We've got some nurses here that would attest to that very fact. That many of the illnesses and the sicknesses and the diseases that we have today are happening by something that is preventable. And that is by simply changing our eating habits and our exercise habits, we can change our bodies. Now I realize this morning, again, some of you are already mad and say I shouldn't have come to church. I, I know that you didn't come this morning to get hammered and that's not my point. I understand the reaction because the truth is, I'm certainly not Mr. Hardbody, okay? I understand. I, I uh, you know, many of us are a little bit soft around the middle. I'm there. You know, I feel, I feel like I'm losing this fight with gravity, the middle-aged spread, right? Somebody asked me one time, uh, you know, if I was overweight. I said, no, I'm not overweight. I'm under tall. <laughs> you know, 
I mean, if I had, if I had about six more inches, I'd be perfect. You know, I understand that. Um, somebody asked me if I was losing weight. I said, no, I'm buying bigger clothes. <laughs> there, there you go. They, that'll help you out. Uh, it's tough. But you know what? It's not that I'm just soft around the middle. I have a soft heart. And I'm full of God's love and compassion. This message really isn't about hammering people. It's about helping people. Because I love you. And I want you with me here for a long time. And we've got to change the way that we're doing things. I, I'm like John who said, Beloved, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in good health even as your soul prospers. I want to see you maximize your potential and be the best that you can be this morning. You know, so there are no judgments being made. Don't let the devil sit up there and say that somebody's picking on you. That's not what this is about. This is, there's nobody picking on your appearance. There's nobody judging your appearance. You see, sometimes we equate health with weight. I know people that weigh a lot, but they are as healthy as a horse. So, so again, don't read between the lines because there's nothing there. Now, you might be saying, well, preacher, you don't understand. I've tried it all before. I've done everything they told me that I needed to do. In fact, I bought those gummies off of Facebook. I mean, isn't that what Kelly Clarkson did? You know, I mean, I'm, I'm being a little bit silly, but you understand what I'm talking about. I've, I've tried everything. I mean, there's no way that you can help me do something that nobody else has ever been able to do. I've tried, I've tried Stairmaster. I've tried Thighmaster. I've tried Buns of Steel. I've tried Abflex, Solaflex, Nordic Track, Running Track, Knickknack, Taddywack, Give a Dog a Ball. I've tried it all. I just can't, I can't lose it. I'm losing that battle. You know, it's, I've tried to manage my diet, but junk food is omnipresent. It's everywhere. I mean, you know, I, I, we all know what we ought to do, but for some reason, it's very, very difficult. And here's the thing. My point is, the world's motivation for maintaining our bodies is not getting the job done. See, the world says that we need to maintain our body so that we can have sex appeal. And if I have sex appeal, then people are going to like me. They want to hang out with me. Well, that's not working, right? It's not working. And then another way they try to motivate us is they say something like this. Well, if you eat broccoli and spinach, you'll live to be 100. Whereas if you continue with burgers and fries, you're only going to be, live to be 80. Okay, so 100 or 80. You know what I say? Supersize it, and I'll live to 70, and then I'll go to heaven. <laughs> right? So, I, so I'm going to hit McDonald's. Give me that two-all beef patty, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions on a sesame seed bun. I'm ready to go. <laughs> See, the world's motivation is not working. It's just we've got to find some other way to keep ourselves physically fit. And I think that's where our question, I mean, our, our text comes in because Paul asked the question. He said, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? So Paul gives us a few things I want to talk about. Remember, we're in a, we're in a series, Creatures of Habit. Habits are easy to get into, and they're very difficult to get out of. Habits can be a wonderful thing. Habits can be a life-threatening thing, given the extreme. So Paul gives us some things in our text this morning, uh, in chapter 6, that lays out the perspective, God's perspective, on our bodies. Number one, Paul wants us to know that our body is a treasure. Everybody say treasure. See, part of the problem with the Corinthian church is they tried to separate their physical body from their spirit, the spiritual. Okay, so, so in their mind, it was two different things. Uh, so they came up with all kind of slogans about what was permissible in the physical body. 
So, so their behavior, they could go out and do anything they wanted to. They could live any way they wanted to live. They could partake of anything they wanted to partake of because their body was temporary. Their spirit was eternal. And, and so uh, their, their saying was, satisfy the flesh, satisfy the fleshly desires because it does not matter. You only have to worry about your spirit. So Paul says, wait a minute, knucklehead. That's not right. Well, he didn't call him a knucklehead. He said, you know what? With that viewpoint, you're cheapening your body. Your body is a treasure to the Lord. Your body is something special unto God. Your body was, made, was not made for immorality. It was made for immortality. You see, part of the problem with the Corinthian church was they were, they were footloose and fancy free when it came to sexual immorality. You know, they had incest going on. Uh, again, we, we read, that's why I'm saying we don't, we don't want to go back to the, to the early church because they had a lot of issues. There was there was a son that was taking his father's wife. Um, they had cheating and they had adultery. and I mean, just all kinds of stuff going on. Because what they were saying was, look, what I do in my body is my business. It doesn't matter. And Paul said, that's not true. That's not true. They're saying, what, uh, I think more, more importantly, your body is for the Lord and the Lord is for your body. What we have to look at is our body is a treasure. How important is the body to God? Well, think about this. God made a body and then put his son in that body. We call that the incarnation. John says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Verse 14 says, and the word became flesh. So, so God loved the body enough, thought a high, highly of it, where he put his son in a body. So Jesus lived in that body. Jesus was tortured in that body. He was crucified in that body. He was buried in that body. And he was resurrected in that body. Guess what? When we get to heaven, we're going to have a body. I told somebody coming in, they were talking about the weather. Uh, this is perfect. See, that's why I think when I get to heaven, I'm going to be, a, I'm going to be 30 years old for all eternity. It's going to be 70 degrees, and there's going to be a Krispy Kreme on every corner, and I'm not going to have to worry about calories. <laughs> that's manna. You do know that, right? That's manna. <laughs> Now, somebody said, oh, you're dreaming. Well, don't wake me up, because I like that dream, you know? But, again, our body, I mean, God made it. God gave, put his son in a body. We're going to have a body, and it, but it's going to be transformed. Paul said it to the same people, the Corinthian church in chapter 15. He said, we'll all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, we'll be changed. He said, this mortal body has to put on what? Immortality. Why? Because the body was meant to last forever. He said, this corruptible body has to put on incorruption we're going to have a body you know we're not going to be disembodied spirits that float around like casper the friendly ghost we're going to have a body it's going to be like the lord's body it's going to be a resurrected glorified body our body is a treasure unto god he went to great lengths to ensure the immortality of our body not just our spirit in chapter in verse 15 paul said by his power god raised jesus from the dead and he will also raise us our body is important to god that has to be the first place of motivation right there. Why do I take care of myself? Because my body is important to God. Number two, my body is a tool. My body is a tool. He goes on and he, said, he asks the question, do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Now, members, what does that mean? Well, members are part of. You know, we have, I mentioned this in early service, we have two categories of membership here at Bethel. We have active and we have inactive. Now, we strive for active members. That means that they're here. They, 
are part of the church, they're in the life flow of the church, they're engaged with the church, they're serving, they're, they're, that's active. And then inactive is just what it means. It's, they're out there, they're on the fringe. Okay? But it's part of. It's part of, that's what it is. Our body is a part of Jesus and a tool in his hands. But I think it's more than that. We are his hands and we are his feet. In, in other words, think about it. He goes with us, he works through us, and, and the truth of the matter is, for some people, we are the only Jesus they ever see. You ever thought about that? We cannot assume in 2024 20, America that everybody that we come in contact with has had an accurate representation of Jesus, because it's just not true. And so now we become representatives, we represent Jesus. We, we, listen, have you noticed we live in a society today that's fake? I mean, it's just fake. I mean, you have, I mean, you have fake cheese, you have fake butter, you have fake meat, and you have fake people. You know, it's sad that when it's sad today that you've got to go and read the ingredients label to find out if there's fake junk in your food. I mean, you're liable to be eating grasshopper parts and not even know it. Again, I'm I'm, I'm being a little. You know, they say a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. <laughs> So that's why, I, listen, have you ever, no, think about, think about pictures. Have you ever noticed somebody online, have you ever seen a picture of somebody online, and you look at them and you comment how pretty they are, how handsome they are, and then you meet them in person, you scratch your head and wonder why, if it's the same person? Right? See, with, with modern pixel manipulation, you know, software, I mean, I, I, again, you can take a picture of somebody and actually digitize it and remove people out of your picture. And there, listen, you can be a two and make yourself a ten. That's dishonest, okay? I'm just going to be straight up. That's dishonest. We live fake. You know, we got fake meat. We got people that are lab-grown chicken. What's a lab-grown chicken? Lab-grown beef. It's just nuts. So Paul, basically, what he's doing is like, don't be fake. You're, you're part of him. You're a member of him. You're a tool in his hand. He said, you know what? Be the real deal. Be the real deal because we are members of Christ himself. Jesus was the real deal. I think one of the things that was so popular about Jesus is you didn't have, you didn't have to wade through layers of pixelation to find the real Jesus. He was the real deal. He was authentic, genuine. I think that's what Paul is meaning here is that you know what? We're members of Christ, and as members, we ought, to, we ought to be an accurate representation of who he is. Isn't it a sad thing today when, the, when, you know, we want to fuss about the world and how dark it is and how evil and sinful the world. We should not be, we should not be overly excited that the world acts like the world. We should be overly excited and saddened when the church acts like the world. Because there ought to be a difference. There ought to be a difference between someone who calls themselves, again, not that we're better than anybody else, because that's not true. But when we've been redeemed by his blood, we've been called to live to a different standard. And there ought to be a difference between someone who names the name of Christ and those who have no affiliation whatsoever. Paul said, look, you don't have to wade through the layers of stuff to find the real Jesus. He was genuine. He was authentic. His message resonated with the average person because there was no pretense in him. You didn't, have to, you didn't have to define what is is. Because Jesus was authentic. 
You know what Paul's saying? Be the same tool. Be that same type of person. We're to go into the world. The mandate of the church, Matthew 28, we're to go into the world and preach the gospel. What are we called to do? Live authentic lives that truly represent him. One of the, one of the uh, Ten Commandments says, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. And we've all, we all have heard that one, right? One of the Ten Commandments. We've all associated that with, with, with foul language. I, it has so much more to do than that. It means don't misrepresent him. That's, that's taking the name of God in vain. Don't misrepresent him to the world. So again, Paul said, look, you've got to understand that your body is a tool because you're part of him. You're a tool in his hands. Oh yeah, we, we fail and we falter and we're still human becomings. We're not there yet. But you know what? We keep getting up and we keep striving for Christ-like living. Amen? We keep striving to do the best. Our body's a tool to bring salvation's message to the lost of the world. Number three, your body is a temple. Your body is a temple. Our text, he said, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? Now remember, Paul's writing to a church that is filled with division and sin. And so the context of this verse is that they're dealing, he's dealing with sexual immorality among the believers there and his point is this you can't just live any way that you want to this is not a message that would preach in a lot of pulpits of america because today the idea is i can do whatever i want to as long as i as long as i say a sinner's prayer as long as i utter a few words then i'm good to go for all eternity paul said not so hold your horses hold your horses not quite like that you know again because of because we're the temple of the Holy Spirit, what does that mean? It means God lives within us. When we accept Christ as our Lord and Savior, we, He moves in, He takes up residence, and because of that, we're not free to live footloose and fancy free. We can't live just any way that we want to, because we're not our own. We'll talk about that. You know, they were trying to separate the body and the spirit. The body is temporary, it's unimportant, the spirit is eternal. And Paul said, no, nah, that's, not, that's not right. You see, in their mindset, the body could be used any way it wanted to. And Paul said, no, nah, when you come to Christ, he moves in. Not only does he move in, it, you know, if you use the temple analogy, it's like God takes up residence there and he goes outside and he puts on the mailbox, my house, my house. How many did, when you moved into your house, you went out there and you put your name on the mailbox? This is my home. See, that's what God does when we accept Christ as our Lord and Savior, he moves in and he puts it, this is my house. This is my home. You know, a temple, you think about a temple, what is a, what is a temple? Well, a temple is a place of dedication, right? Think about the Old Testament temple. It was dedicated to God in his glory. So with that mindset, you think about it, our bodies are to be, an, a, a, is to glorify him. What we do in our body is to glorify God. So a temple is a place of of dedication. Number two, a temple is a place of devotion. A place of devotion. It was a place where people went to worship God. You know, now we have the church, the called out ones, okay? We come together on the first day of the week, so we celebrate as a body, but the truth of the matter is I'm free to worship in the temple of my body. I don't have to wait till Sunday or to Wednesday to come in and worship. I can worship anytime I want to because my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. It is a place devoted to God. It's a place of devotion. Number three, it was also a place of duty. A place of duty. It's a place where man carries out his duties that God has given to them. 
In other words, what does it mean? It means that each one of us have been called by God on purpose, with purpose, and the temple is a place where we live out what we, he created us for. I was talking to an individual the other day, and we were talking about specific ministries, and I said, you know, not one ministry here at the church has started without somebody stepping up and saying, I want to do that. I'd like to do that. I said, the staff, we don't sit back there, cross our legs, sing a, you know, sing a song or hum a little few bars and wait for God to drop something in. We don't do that. We're a yes church. God raises up people who say, you know what, I think we ought to do this. We ought to. Our fan ministry, our fan ministry is a prime example of something that I met with a group of our uh, family and marriage ministry. I met with a group of our families, young families with kids and marriage, and I said, hey, you know what, let's do something. Let's do something to connect with couples and, and single-parent households, let's do something to support them. And it was birthed out of, and they took, they've taken the ball and run with it. In fact, on the ninth, they've got a big bonfire going. <laughs> so um, it's a place of duty. Our bodies are a place of duty. It's a place where we live out the purpose for which you and I were born. And, and number four, it's a place of death. It's a place where sacrifices are made to God. We're not free to abuse our bodies any way that we want to. You know, today's mantra is my body, my choice. That's the mantra of the pro-death movement or abortion movement. But that's not, Paul said, not so. Not so. It's not your body. You were bought with a price. You're not your own. Your body is a treasure. It's a tool. It's a temple. It's something that God reveres. It's something that God looks at as holy. And it's important to Him. We're not, we're not free to abuse our bodies. We're not free to... To, to live any way that we want to. It's precious. It's a treasure unto God, and we should treat it as such. And the fourth thing is this. Our body is a sacred trust. Trust from God. He goes on in, in verse 20, says, You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Again, this flies in the face of today's mindset. I've already said it. Today we always say, well, my body, my choice. Paul said, not so fast. Not so fast. Our body has been purchased by his blood, and we are not our own. I don't just indiscriminately get to decide how I want to live. Now, a lot of people say, well, that just sounds like slavery. Well, I guess in a, in a, in a sense, it really is. The difference is we serve him because we want to. See, Paul had the idea. He said, I'm a, a bond servant for Christ. And the idea was that you know, a slave could, you know, particularly under the Jewish culture, system, the Jewish culture, a, a slave according to the Levitical law, had to be released year of Jubilee. They, had to, they, they were freed. But if you wanted, again, the Bible is not espousing slavery, okay? I know there are people who try to, try to convince you of that. It's not. That was the culture. That was what's going on. And so God had put it in the system that, that after a few, a few years of serving, a slave could be free. Now, if you as a slave of an individual wanted to keep serving because you love the family, you love the master, then what he would do is you'd say, you know what, I want to commit to you for the rest of my life. What that meant was he would take you to the front door of the house, he would take an og and he would poke a hole in your ear and put an earring in there. And, what it, and, and, and at that moment, you became a slave, not because you were bought, but because you wanted to serve him, you loved him. A bond servant, a loved slave. And everything you owned at that moment was transferred to your owner, your master. Paul said, that's what I became when I became a Christian. 
When I surrendered to Christ, I became a, I became a bondservant to Christ. He has marked me with the earnest of the Holy Spirit, and I'm bought with a price. I'm his. I serve him. The word trust, it's an interesting word. The word trust is a financial term, and it refers to money or assets that are owned by somebody else and yet managed by another party. So think about that in the context of what I'm talking about. Paul said, you know what, that, your body has been bought. Your body has been purchased by the blood of Jesus. I plead the blood. You're not your own. But God says, but I'm going to give it to you, now you manage it for me. You do the best for me. You know, if you, how many here, you don't have to raise your hand, but how many here have an investment? You have Edward Jones, or maybe you have a, you know, Charles Schwab, or some account like that, and you've got money set aside. Well, it's your money. It's your assets. But you entrust it into their care to manage it for you and for your benefit. And you know what? If they don't do a good job, what do you do? You fire them and you go find somebody else that will. What Paul's saying is that our bodies have been entrusted to us by God, okay, they belong to him because they've already been purchased by his blood, and we're just the stewards of it. We're just managers. You know, it's a sobering thought to think about. One day we're going to be called to the bema of Christ, the judgment seat of Christ, and we're going to be accountable for what we've done in this body. Now, here's what we're not going to be accountable for. I won't be accountable for what Mark did or what Patricia did or Rusty or Curly or Ian. I, I won't be, I'll be accountable for me. For what I've done. It's a sobering thought to think about that. When Paul gives us this high view of the body, you know, he says, look, you've got to understand, your body is inter eternal things. It's not something that, listen, when you were born, conceived, you will never cease to live again. You'll never cease to live again. You were born, and you will always be. The difference is, where do we spend that place eternity, Right? Listen, he paid top dollar for it. It's a tool that God wants to use for us. It's not, it's not a toy. It's something very, very important. It's a temple. He wants to live in fully. He wants to make himself at home in your house. You know, when we, was a kid, when we were kids in kids' church, we used to sing a song, Be careful, little feet, where you go. Be careful, little ears, what you hear. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. Why? Because the Father above is looking down with love. So be careful. The idea is that he goes with us. What we do, he's a part of, in, in, in a sense, that he's with us. And he said, look, don't, dis, don't disrespect or dishonor God with your body. Honor him. The motivation for maintaining our physical bodies is to realize that God has a high view of our bodies. And again, I, I, this has nothing to do with weight because, I, again, as I said, I know people that, that carry a little more weight than what they ought to, but they're healthy as horses. So don't let the enemy try to twist this and say, you know what, I, did, I didn't need to hear all this. I get preached to all the time. No, understand the context. Look at your body. Look at who you are. God made you unique. God made you special. God created you with a plan and with a purpose that nobody else, nobody else can fill. You're unique among all of his creation. And he's like, you know what, I cherish you. I cherish your body. I, I cherish who you are, who I made you to be. Now, do, honor God with that body. The Bible teaches that God is concerned about how we take care of our physical bodies. So what are some things that we can do? Well, I think, number one, recognize, first of all, the value that God places on our body. 
You know, it's not like the Corinthians who thought the body didn't really matter. It, it, wasn't, it was inconsequential. It is very consequential. They thought it didn't matter. It did matter. He loves all of us. Guess what? He redeemed all of us. That's why Paul said when he wrote to the church of Thessalonica, he talks about the dead in Christ. Remember what he said? He said the dead in Christ are going to rise first. We are going to get up. We're, the dead in Christ will rise, and he who is alive and remains shall be caught up together in the clouds to meet the Lord, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. It's a bodily resurrection. Again, this mortal puts on, this this, this mortal puts on immortality. This corruptible puts on incorruption. So recognize the value God places on our body. Number two, I think we need to adjust our eating habits. Try to get more nutrition. I know it's hard. I know it's hard. Because we live in a world, world that's full of fake stuff. How many has gone shopping, seen the prices? The best way I can say it, it's ridiculous. And it's hard for a family. Do the best you can. Look for healthy options. Take care of that body. Here's another one. Exercise. Oh, you know, yeah, I said that. Exercise. Find some physical activity that you enjoy and then do it. I'm not saying that you've got to be Charles Atlas. You may not be a gym rat. That's okay. You know, if the idea of, of pushing weight doesn't interest you, that's, that's okay. Find something you like to do. Walk, play pickleball, right? Ride a bicycle, swim. Find something that you like to do and will do with consistency and then do it. When we put our ball field in many years ago, we put a track. That's a, that's a, I know it doesn't look the same as a track at school or something. They have more money than we do. Uh, I mean, you keep paying for it, by the way, but anyway, that's a different, <laughs> that's a different story. It is a quarter mile. It's a quarter mile track out there that goes around our property in the ball field. Go walk. Four times around, make it a mile. Do something to get your heart rate up, you know? Uh, preventive maintenance. How many of you work on your house? If you see something wrong, you do something, you fix it, right? You got a roof leak, you fix the roof. We, we just, last year, we had to replace all the electrical panels in this building. It was built in 1976. We had to replace all the electrical panels because the panels that were used back then are not safe now. We want to be safe, by the way. <laughs> so they were replaced. There's maintenance that has to be done. Things that have to be done. Same thing with our physical bodies. We can't just sit around and hope things to get better. We've got to do something. So exercise, number, number, number four, number five, let treats be just that. Let them be treats. Why don't we think we have to have a pint of ice cream every night? Because it's so good, right? <laughs> Again, our let treats. I, how many of you remember growing up and McDonald's was a maybe a monthly thing, if that? You went to McDonald's once a month maybe? I know, hey, my daughter, when we moved to Texas in 1990, we lived in Irving. I, I worked there in Irving. We lived right off of 183 and Esther's Road, so if you know that area, that, that geography. So I, right there, we, we rented an apartment just off Esther's Road and would you not know that right there in the corner was a McDonald's? My daughter couldn't see socks in the middle of the floor. She couldn't see her clothes or shoes in the middle of the floor. But from 10 miles away, she could see the golden arches. <laughs> and she wanted French fries. You know? Let it become a treat, not a staple. Because I think that'll help. 
And I think lastly, get proper rest. Get proper rest. We, we, one of the things I loved when I lived in Germany, one of the things I loved about uh, living there in, in Germany was they had on the weekends, uh, so, so they still have what they call, what we, we would know as the blue law. Anybody remember, familiar with that? So over there, on Sunday, nothing is open. Nothing. On Saturday, the first Saturday of the month, all the stores were open till 4 o'clock. So you better go out on the first Saturday of the month and do any shopping you wanted to do or whatever because at 4 o'clock they shut down and they didn't open back up till Monday. Now, the rest of the month on Saturday, they were only open till 12. And then they shut down for the rest of the weekend. Here's what you saw. Our little town, we lived in a place called Bad Kreuznach, which is outside of Mainz, Wiesbaden area. Here's what you saw. You saw families. We, we had a, what's called the Naha River that ran right through our town. You had families that walked along the river, just a, sun, just a stroll. You had, you had families that were doing window shopping. They would walk and they would look at things in the window. They would look at nature. One of the, one of the things that they did over there, they called it Volksmarching. And little towns, little villages would have uh, these marches, not marches, hikes, for lack of a better word, hikes. And you would sign up, you would go, and I've got a cane, two canes in my house, old wooden canes that have little little shields on them. And every one of the Volksmarches you went on, you'd get these little shields and you'd tack them on. And it was always a bragging thing to go up to a, a Volksmarch and see somebody with a cane that had covered in those little, because that meant they were walking a lot. I'm just saying, find something to do and do it. Guys, come on back as I close this morning. We can take charge today. We can take charge today and adjust our life to be healthier. It just takes a decision. Again, habits are easy to get into, and they're very difficult to break. I think today, because we run from sun up to sundown, that we don't factor in. You know, we talk about meal, you know, I grew up at a time, my mom cooked all the time. You know, now it wasn't anything fancy. I grew up in South Alabama, so I'm, I'm from L.A., lower Alabama, about low as you can get. We had simple staples in our home, you know, beans and cornbread, rice, chicken, collard greens. Huh, I'm getting hungry. Come on, hush. <laughs> you know, it was simple, but you know what? My mom, cooked, my mom cooked every night, every night. We came in from school. We came in from our chores. There was a meal. I'm just saying that be careful about packing your schedule with so much stuff that it's easier to run through a drive-through and buy that than it is. Again, decisions today have have a bearing on tomorrow. Let's be healthy. Let's take the charge. God, today I want to glorify you with my body. Help me to make strategic decisions to be healthy. Listen, I love you, and I want you here with me a long time. I know I'm not Mr. Hardbody, okay? I'm a little soft around the, side, the middle. I, I tell you all the time, I started the year wanting to lose 20 pounds. Last year, I started this year wanting to lose 25 pounds. I'm working on it. <laughs> it just tends to go the other way. I want you to stand with me this morning. Think about this. A lot of the diseases, as I said, a lot of the diseases that we have in our society today, I think about diabetes, how many people do I know that are ravaged with diabetes? And not all cases, but a lot of cases, it, there's a direct correlation with the diet. High blood pressure. They talk about making dietary changes and losing some weight, and your blood pressure 
you know, there are a lot of things that, that can happen if we just make that strategic decision. I think God wants us to be in health, to take care of our bodies, to present our bodies to him as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto him. Does it mean a change of our mindset? Yeah, because Paul said to them, look, you can't just live any way you want to. You're not your own. You don't get that choice. If you, if you call yourself a Christian, Christ-like, that means you submit to his ownership. And you don't get to decide. It's what he says. Why don't you bow with me as we close this morning? One of the things I wanted to do today is this. We're going we're gonna to have prayer time this morning. Again, I'm an altar guy. This is where things are altered you here this morning say you know what pastor I want to I want to commit my life I want to commit my body to the Lord I want to I want God to help me I want to change again it's a habit we just get in the habit of doing things and it we just continue doing that I want to change I want to I want to change re-educate myself teach myself to, to 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 take care of this temple in a healthy way that honors him the second thing is this if you're here this morning and if you're battling, and I want our prayer team to stand by, if you're battling with a sickness or a disease and you want somebody to pray with you this morning, listen, I believe today that we serve a healing Jesus. And if you're battling with any type of sickness or disease and you want somebody to pray with you, while they sing here this morning just for a moment, would you come and would you let us pray with you? Any one of those areas, you want to consecrate yourself to the Lord, say, God, today I changed my attitude, I changed my thoughts. I want to honor you with my body. Or if you're here this morning, you want somebody to pray with you for a disease or sickness, would you come? Would you let us do that this morning? You make all things work together. 
God made you on purpose with purpose. You have a destiny. You have a future. He has a wonderful plan for you. Let's take care of ourselves. As I close this morning, and again, this is a hard message, okay? Because we take it personally. I take it personally. I, I, I told the early service, I get to rehearse because when I'm writing messages, my toes get mashed in the office, okay? And then I can come out here and do it. I want to close like this. We talk about weight. We talk about our bodies, taking care of our bodies. One thing I want to pray for as we close this morning is that there are a lot of people that battle with insecurity and inferiority. They feel like they're, they, they, they have very low self-esteem or low self-value. They feel like, why would God do this for me? Because I'm nobody. Why should I ask God for this? Because I'm nobody. They have, a, they have a very low opinion of themselves. That is as detrimental, in my opinion, as eating a bag of chips all the time. Because you're sickening your mind, you're polluting your mind, contrary to what the Scripture teaches it. He makes, he makes me fearfully and wonderfully. I'm made by Him, for Him, with purpose, on purpose, with a destiny. I'm valuable to Him. And that's a battle that goes on right here. And I just want to close in prayer that God would help us to retrain our thought process. That's a lie from the pit of hell itself. When the devil gets up there and tells you, you're no good, you're no good, baby, you're no good, don't believe it. Because God thought enough of you that He would send His only Son to die on Calvary for you, in your place, so that you could have life with Him. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm just going to close in prayer. But I felt the Lord lay that heavy on my heart that not only do we battle maybe some of the health issues with related to food and exercise, but we battle some issues with our mind that we think we're not worthy. Well, the truth is we're not. But His amazing grace gives us all that we need. Father, today I love you and I thank you. I thank you that there's victory found in you. I thank you that your truth trumps the lies of hell. And this morning we can change. Lord, we can, Lord, this morning we commit our bodies to, to your honor and to your glory. Lord, I know that we've been sold a bill of goods and our Lord, there are just a lot of things in our world today, but Lord, help us today to draw that line in the sand to be healthy. Lord, to take care of the temple. Lord, that place of dedication, that place of devotion, that place of duty. Lord, help us to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto you. And Father, I pray for the battlefield of the mind this morning. I pray, Father, for those that are engaged in that warfare right now, where the enemy keeps telling them that they're no good, that, they are not, that they're not worthy of anything that you do for them, that they can't ask you for anything. Father, today, we rebuke that lie. Let your truth permeate their spirit, that they are fearfully and wonderfully made by you, they have destiny, they have reason for being, and they have a purpose. And Lord, I pray that they get their value not from the world, but they look to you for the value that you place on them. You love them enough that while we were yet sinners, you died for us. Now, Father, I pray you take us out of here today. May we walk out determined to live in victory 
and to take care of ourselves to preserve this temple, this treasure that you've entrusted into our care. Give us a great day, I pray. Give us a great week. And should you tarry, bring us again next appointed time. I love and bless each one now in Jesus' mighty name. And we all said, amen. Thank you for being with us online. I look forward to seeing you next time. God bless you and I love you. When I